You're listening to Church Unplugged, the podcast of Christ Community Chapel. In each episode, we're going to discuss questions or topics that maybe you'll hear discussed in a sermon, maybe you won't, but they'll explore the interaction between our, our faith in Christ and our everyday lives. In this episode, we're going to discuss the question of should Christians live together before they are married? So the issue of cohabitation, which is an issue that's relevant to a lot of people. It's, it's a prevalent thing in our society, and so we want to explore what God's Word has to say and how we should interact with that issue as followers of Jesus. So welcome into Church Unplugged. Hey, welcome into the podcast. I'm Jimmy Cozy, a student ministry pastor here at CCC. I'm here with Joe Coffey, our lead pastor, Todd Iannetta, uh, our marriage ministry pastor. And so uh, today the question we're going to answer is, what does the Bible say about cohabitation? So uh, living together before marriage, this is a pretty common thing. What you say, guys? Absolutely. It's very common. It almost seems like uh, living together is almost the peak of a relationship now uh, instead of marriage. And so there's actually uh, some statistics out there that say um, there's 7.8 million couples that were living together in the U.S. without getting married um, in 2012, which was actually 5 million, more than 5 million couples more than 1996. I think it's even it's rare now to have a couple come in who have not lived together or who aren't sleeping together and who've said that we are approaching this by saving ourselves for marriage. That's a very rare couple now. So, I mean, if somebody gets married at our church, they their names and we have a wedding application that I think every single one comes across Todd's desk. And Todd, would you say you've seen an increase recently of people living together or since you've been able to ha- to see to see that information has it has it changed has it grown or yeah it seems to be at least in the last couple of years Joe's right about one in probably every three or four that come in uh, is a couple living together and looking to get married in the church I think it's interesting how honest they are too on the application they'll just yes. check it which is why we want to do a podcast on it because we're not sure if people really understand what the Bible says about cohabitation. So I've always been shocked that people just go, yes, yes, you know. Yeah. Are you living together? Yes, you know. With, without a second thought. Right. So kind of what we want to do today is, is talk a little bit about that and say, okay, what, what does God's word say about this? And does God have anything to say about the way that we handle our relationship before we get married? Uh, but first, let's talk about why do people do it? Why, if I am in a relationship, I'm thinking about marriage, what are some of the reasons that I might want to move in? With I think it makes a ton of sense, actually. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah. for people, it's it, to say, you know what? We want to test drive. We want to we want to make sure we're compatible. The easiest way to do that. It's like saying, you know, if if I'm going to spend a summer camping, I should uh, I should probably camp out in my backyard a couple nights just to see if I like it or not, right? And that's what people think. The problem is that it just doesn't work like that. Yeah, I think all those reasons, it makes sense. It makes sense financially. I think millennials are really concerned right now about finances and everything costs so much more. And so there's there's this this mindset like we, we just we just can't afford it otherwise. You know, it's interesting when you think about a test drive, you almost always think about it from the driver's perspective and rarely do you think about it from the car's perspective. But the car probably has a different view on a test drive. You know, if the test drive doesn't go well, what happens? The car is lonely and back by itself <laughs> in the back of the lot. Yeah, I think it's it's uh, it's counterintuitive the way God set it up. Um, but I think when you 
look at uh, cohabitation as or living together as a test drive, then you set your relationship up uh, to be a consumer relationship. We've talked about that some. Um, that we're saying, uh, I will. I want to see if you can meet my needs in such a way that I want to stay in this relationship. And if you don't, then we'll go our separate ways. And that's that's like precisely the wrong reason to get married. I think. Yeah, absolutely. I uh, I agree with that. I wanted to to take one step back too and just say that I think one of the reasons people live together before they get married is because they've had a bad experience with uh, a marriage. Maybe it's their parents' marriage. Um, and I think that there is a, a new mindset that maybe marriage isn't the right way because it didn't work for my parents or for somebody. And I think, so just to be real sensitive to people's experiences who are listening, you know, there's there's a lot of reasons why that come from their own hurt. Uh, but to Joe's point, I, I really... Uh, agree with that, that it's the consumer mindset that, um, you know, it, it's it's all about what I want. And if it works for me, then maybe I'll do it. But that's not the mindset of marriage. Uh, marriage is so much more of a covenant. So here's a question. If, if somebody were to come into your office, an engaged couple, or even a, a dating couple were to come into your office, and um, they would say, we're living together. What are the arguments that you're going to make, if any, to say you should or should not do this or to say you shouldn't do this? Because the position that we obviously are holding is that living together before marriage is is not a good thing. So what arguments are we going to make? Why wouldn't we do that? Yeah, I would I would say first you can you can appeal to really some of the social sciences and the statistics that are behind um, people that that live together. So, uh, there's a there's one statistic that says if you if you cohabitate before marriage, you actually have a 46 percent higher chance of splitting up. Um, and it there's also another statistic that says 12 percent of couples who live together before marriage then get married married last longer than 10 years in their marriage. So you know you, you sit with a couple, then you just ask, hey, do you want a long lasting relationship. Which, that's a question almost nobody is going to say no to. If right. they do, right. they're in the wrong office. Right, right. And I think one of the things you have to ask them, too, when a couple comes in, you have to ask them what their relationship with Jesus is, right? If they are Christians, because that'll change what you're going to say. Uh, but I agree with Todd. You, you, I mean, if they're even if they're not a Christian, I would say, um, look at what, at what you're doing and see if it actually works statistically. Uh, but most people... Um, would think that they would be the small percentage that work out because their love is so strong for each other. Nobody comes in thinking that they're going to break up. But it makes sense that they would walk away as soon as things don't work out. It's like having a roommate where you could just go, you know what, it's not working out. Why don't you just, you, we'll just split up and leave. So um, so I would, I would talk to them about Jesus. And the thing about uh, Jesus is, um, if Jesus can be trusted to uh, for with my eternal destiny, then he can be trusted with uh, our sexuality and how we actually work uh, through this thing called marriage, uh, which is wildly complicated for two people becoming one flesh, the way Jesus describes it. Yeah, and I think, you know, we're assuming in a lot of ways that 
that our listeners know Jesus, have a relationship with God. Um, so if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, I think one of the one of the things you need to know is that the most important thing for you to do right now is not stop living with your boyfriend or your girlfriend. Most important thing from our heart is for you to to look into Jesus because we believe, you know, that's the first and foremost thing that you need. And out of that, changes come. But Christianity isn't just about, you know, behavior modification where we just want you to change because there's a list of rules God has for you. It's it's more than that. It's interesting how um, how tied into our the very core of our identity, our identity, our sexuality is in our culture. You know, I think that um, that for people in our culture and, and all of us, I think the ability to express our sexuality is such an important thing. And so I think that's that probably contributes to why it's such a natural thing to think, yeah, we're going to live together, you know, regardless of the consequences or the statistics or anything like that. But if you were to go into God's word uh, to say, okay, what does God have to say about this? What, where would you point me to argue against this? I think I would, uh, I think I would actually go to two places. First of all, that, that um, you look in Genesis where it says the two shall become one flesh. And, and I think in what God has joined together, let no man split apart is what Jesus says. And there's this one flesh aspect of a marriage that is certainly not only sexual, but it is emotional, it is spiritual. And what that speaks to is just how sacred, how sacred marriage is in every part of that one flesh. And then I would also go to Ephesians 5 because uh, Ephesians 5 talks about how marriage is a reflection of Christ and the church. And when you understand it in that way, you actually understand that you know, Christ loved us while we were yet sinners, which is another passage that you could go to. But And so his, his relationship with us is not based on uh, what we can do for him, not if we're good enough. It's based in him and his character. And I think that's the way our, our, that's the way our relationship, a marriage, is designed. And I think sex was intended to be something uh, really, really sacred. Like Todd said, it's it's the closest the closest thing to sex uh, probably is worship. As weird as that sounds, I'm um, curious to hear more. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you uh, because um, sex is uh, losing yourself or a sense of yourself in the in the love of another under the safety of a covenant. Right? Somebody who says, I will never leave you, I will never forsake you. So that when so the whole thing about uh, sex is supposed to be where you are, you are completely vulnerable and you even lose sight of where you end and the other person begins. That's what one flesh means, right? And then in worship, the best worship happens when I lose, when I lose myself or how my voice sounds or whatever in the midst of the love of another under the safety of a covenant. That's the... The thing. So I think that the reason that our our world and Satan has spent so much time perverting sex is because sex is one of the one of the great gifts that God gives. In fact, it is the thing that brings light a new life into the world. I mean, it's got God's fingerprints all over it. But Satan has succeeded in making it something extremely selfish, self-centered, and destructive. When it was it was created to heal somebody. In that relationship of the in that covenant relationship, so uh, one of the things we've kind of made an assumption to this point that 
if a couple is living together, then they are sexually active. So a question that I've sometimes thought about, and I'm curious to hear what the two of you have to say on is, let's say I come to you and I say, I'm going to live with my fiance. We're going to sleep in separate bedrooms. We're not going to have any kind of a sexual relationship, but we're going to explore how the other aspects of our relationship play out while trying to be faithful to what uh, is honoring to God in in our sexuality. What would you say to that person? Is that a good thing, a bad thing? Should we do it? Should we not? Because I would be... So I would be interest, interested to hear if you can find a, a scriptural argument that says that alone is is sinful. So I'm uh, curious to know. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if you're going to find – I think you're going to find uh, some stuff in the scripture about wisdom because – and I think you might be fooling yourself. Uh, there would be a, a few questions I would ask, I think, is um, that people are, are wired uh, as they grow together – uh, emotionally and spiritually to also connect physically. So your chances of not connecting physically with the person you are you are falling more deeply in love with spiritually and emotionally is slim, I think. And the closer you are, the more the more uh, danger. The closer you are to a fire, the more likely you are to get burned. So I, I would say you're okay me putting cameras in that house. To check and see how you're doing. <laughs> I might not be okay with that for a lot of reasons. <laughs> yeah. So I don't think that would, I just don't, I don't think it's wise. Uh, the one thing that you could look at in scripture is to avoid the appearance of evil, that uh, if your neighbors know you're Christians and they see your two cars there all the time and they know that you're living together, they're going to assume, like everybody else is going to assume, that you are having sex. It's going to be hard to explain that to everybody you meet. And it's, it would be an awkward way to start a conversation. Right to say, hey, I'm Jimmy. It's my wife Emily, or this is Emily. We're not sleeping together. You know, that's just not the way you normally. Yeah, we don't usually start conversations with like, hey, I'm Jimmy. This is my wife Emily, and we are sleeping together. <laughs> that's, right. So. that's right. But to that point, I think it's it's interesting. You know, when we are married, it's not only that it's okay now you can have sex. God designed you to do to connect that way, and so it's it's a great you need to, and so if you're not attracted to your girlfriend enough living together to want to be at least even tempted by that, then there's another question to ask, you know? I mean, I think you need to be attracted in that way. You just need to have some self-control. I think one of the things, too, that people are not asking the right question sometimes when they ask, uh, how far can I go? Um, Because that sets up the whole consumer mentality again of saying, um, how much can I take from this person? I think when you're dating someone and you love them, there has to be a different kind of view towards that person and saying, instead of how far can I go, what is the very best thing for this person? What's the best thing for this person that I'm living with as far as their Christian walk and what they are experiencing on how they are coming closer to Jesus or further away from Jesus. So um, I would try to move people away from that whole consumer thing because that's going to, that will uh, rise up and bite them in the end anyway in their marriage. Anytime I turn into a consumer in my marriage, it's bad for my marriage. So one of the reasons people live together before marriage is because they genuinely, we even established earlier People don't get married saying, hey, I'm doing this, but I know I'm going to get divorced, right? On your wedding day, nobody plans to get divorced, I don't think, or not very many people do. And so a lot of times the motivation behind living together before marriage is actually somewhat noble in the sense that 
they want to be people want to be prepared for the realities of marriage and make sure that their relationship has what it takes to last because they want it to last. So, uh, if you were talking to a couple who was trying to do that, and and they were it was sorry, let me rephrase that question. Without living together, how can we prepare for that kind of relationship? How can we prepare for marriage and know that we're ready uh, and t- we'll have a relationship that's going to last and, and not end? I'll let uh, Todd speak into that, but, f- but before he speaks into how to prepare, I want to say when we say not to live together, we're trying to keep somebody from doing damage, from digging a hole that once they get married, they have to try to dig out of. So we're trying to stop them from introducing a, a poison kind of into the relationship. Um, so if we can keep them from living together, then we start to try to prepare them. And then I'll let Todd talk to that since he's in charge of that at the church. Yeah, so <clears throat> we feel like there's a lot you can do to prepare for marriage. Uh, so just within our own church, we have a uh, couple things we do. We have an eight-week cla- premarital class where you get to connect with other couples who are engaged. Um, you can also be seriously dating and take it just to kind of figure out if marriage is even um, what you should be moving towards. Uh, but in that class, we unpack kind of what God's design is for marriage, and you can understand that to a deeper level, and you can begin to ask questions of your uh, fiancé or, or boyfriend, girlfriend that you would not otherwise ask that can help you prepare uh, for, for what's to come. And then we also, have a, a, we also move them into a two-on-two mentoring relationship where we actually even have this assessment that you take that can show your mentor couple which areas you you really maybe need to focus on more than others, whether it's finances or uh, whether it's uh, your parents or your your background, your upbringing. And so I think there's a lot of ways to prepare. And But it's interesting because it's all, uh, until you get married, you, you don't really know exactly what you need. And so I think the biggest thing you need to do is trust mentors and people who have been married for a while, when they say, you need this, you need to know this, to trust them. Because you can you can look at each other and go, but we're in love. We're never going to run into this. But you will. You're going to run into this because every couple ever has run into this, you know? Before we uh, started recording, we were talking about the, the importance of a covenant coming first, right? And the power of a covenant, a promise. Uh, you guys talk more about that, about what, I mean, Jimmy, you and I were talking some about uh, a guy saying that uh, his wife had been married to seven men. They were all of him, all of them, him, him. Explain that. Yeah, I think, you know, one of the mindsets that kind of comes behind living together I, before marriage is to say, okay, I am almost treating this like a job interview where I'm gathering information to determine compatibility. And so <laughs> that's the mathematician in you coming out. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, I'm sure people think that. Yeah. That's how I think my <laughs> yeah, robot is, brain yeah. thinks that way. So I'm gathering information and I'm going to make a decision at presumably at some point in that time of living together, I'm going to make a decision as to whether or not this works for me. And then once I've decided, then we're going to get married. And I think the covenant uh, mindset says, no, I'm going to commit to this person no matter what happens. And really, yeah, I read a, uh, there's, Tim Keller has a book called The Meaning of Marriage, which is a really good 
it has the, like the theology of marriage and, and what the Bible says about marriage. But one of the things that really stuck out to me from that book is there was a, a quote where this person said, uh, I'm not, I, or I think, sorry, but there was a point where Keller said, you need to understand when you get married, you're not marrying one person. You're probably marrying six or seven because uh, people change over time and, you know, different seasons of life are going to come along. Jobs change, children come into the picture, illnesses come into the picture. There are so many unknowns going into marriage. And so if you start your marriage on a foundation of, uh, I am only going to stay in this as long as it works for me, then you're setting yourself up for failure. I think, you know, when Mm -hmm. Todd talks about in Ephesians 5, it talks about loving your wife as Christ loves the the church, and that's how a marriage relationship is supposed to work. I think part of what's being said there, or a whole lot of what's being said there, is that marriage is a covenant. And so for marriage to work, it has to be founded on both people involved in it saying, I'm going to commit myself to the health and success of this relationship no matter what. No ma- and that's why, you know, nobody says in their marriage vows, um, for better or for worse or until I get bored, right? Everybody right. says for better or for worse, and that's it. And so they're even saying there, you know, I'm going to commit myself to this relationship no matter what happens, what circumstances come in. And so I think living together, uh, if you're doing it and saying we're doing this to discover if we're compatible, you're you're building a flawed foundation for your marriage because you're saying, you know, you're maybe unintentionally or without thinking about it saying, well, there are circumstances that could come into my life that would result in the end of this relationship. And it's going to be really hard to apply that mindset before marriage and then shut it off after marriage. Right. Yeah. And it's interesting because you set the tone for if if you're not going to build trust before marriage, if you lack self-control before marriage, if you don't know how to say no uh, to a desire before marriage, you're setting the tone for decisions you'll make in marriage and it, it, it it's going to carry over uh, into your marriage. Yeah, that's why I always tell somebody when um, I'm telling them to, to abstain until they get married, um, I'll tell the woman, I'll say, if he can say no to you, the person he wants to have sex with more than anybody else ever, then five years into your marriage, when he's riding an elevator with a woman on a business trip, she has no shot at him because he's built up that resi- that ability, that strength to say no to his desire. So it does strengthen a marriage. And just like living together, I think weakens a marriage, even if it's at a subconscious level, you are, you are convincing yourself that uh, you will have sex outside of the covenant. Uh, if the Feelings are right, and you're saying, and your spouse or your fiance is doing the same. So yeah, you've slept with an unmarried woman once, right? You right do it again, right? Uh, a lot of times when people say, "Hey, we're we're going to live together before we're married because we want to determine if we are compatible," I think uh, I have a sneaking suspicion that our culture places such an emphasis on sexuality that what they're really saying is we are going to live together because we're trying to discover if we are sexually compatible, right? Thinking. We can make all the other stuff work. We can make finances work. We can make house, you know, house stuff work. We can make all these other things work. I need to figure out if if I enjoy having sex with this person. Would you agree or disagree? What are your thoughts on that? I think that's the I think that's just the wrong view of sex. I think that if sex is only only for pleasure, then I'd say, yeah, you should probably figure that out. But that's not that's not what but it's for. But even that, the person is saying, "Is it going to work for me?" Once again, we're starting to say, "I'm right. going to use you to to fulfill a desire that I have." And if that works well, 
then I'm in, right? And that's yeah. just a bad thing, but go ahead. No, that's very true. So I think uh, what I would say to them is you, what Joe said earlier is that sex is, is such a wonderful thing because it's it shows you what, you what marriage is all about. You're completely vulnerable. Your spouse knows you, knows everything about you and yet loves you anyway. And so I would say it doesn't matter what it's going to be like because you have the rest of your lives to kind of figure that out. And, and you know, it's, it's, a, it's a wonderful thing. I might also add, like, um, obviously I'm not old enough to know much from experience on this, but I would guess that making the foundation of your compatibility your sexual relationship is probably not a wise choice. No. Yeah. No, that's true. Yeah. Good point. Good. Yeah, after uh, 38 years being married, I can say, yeah, that's probably not the wise choice. Uh, it is part of marriage. It's an important part. It's a great part. But like Todd said, it, it's something that you grow into. My thing with my wife was to try to figure out um, how she works, right? So it's a mystery to be solved. It's something to um, to explore together rather than saying, oh, well, when we come together for the first time or the first year or the first five years, it's got to be at this level or uh, I'm out. I mean, that would make no sense to me. Now, after 38 years, I think it, it keeps getting better and it keeps changing qualitatively in the way you experience it. All right, so maybe last question here. Um, there might be somebody listening to this who is already in a situation where they're living with their, uh, their significant other or their fiance. What would you say to that person? What should they, what should they do? Well, I would say again, it, it depends uh, upon your where your relationship with God is at. If if you know Jesus, then I would say um, find find someone to talk to about it. Um, someone in your church uh, would be would be great. But I think that y- you need to. It's never so. The very nature of what Christ has done for us means that it's never too late to do it God's way. You confess, I've been doing it the wrong way. And you tell somebody, you tell your significant other, and then you make plans to to turn and change from that behavior. And uh, and I think if if you're not a, a follower of Jesus, I think my first the first thing I would tell you to do is is consider the claims of Christ, consider Christianity, and we can talk about the rest later. But I think that's where I would go. And I would say that it, listen, we are looking for. Uh, the long-term benefit. You need to keep thinking that uh, we're trying to prepare you for 40 or 50 years of marital bliss. You know, and so if we can say, yeah, if we can say, listen, if I was a doctor and I said, uh, if you will lay off sugar for the next nine months, you will be cancer-free for the rest of your life. You'd be uh, just silly to not do that. What we're saying is Scripture. Jesus, the wisest man who ever lived, said, "Do not do this in order to prepare for a healthy relationship for the next forty years, fifty years." I would say, do it. Whether I mean, and I would do it as quickly as possible. I would start preparing for marriage the way Jesus says to prepare for marriage, because He wants you to flourish, and you can trust Him. And I would also say this, I don't know, think we have a statistic on this, but we've seen couples make that decision. And I can. it, it seems that the statistic probably goes way up for marriages that last after a couple 
decides to shift from uh, what they were doing to make a decision for God? Well, I can't tell you that I've never had somebody say after they got married, oh, I wish we had stayed living together there you go. when you told me, or I wish we hadn't abstained you know, from the time we met to the time we got married. They're all going, that was great. You've been listening to Church Unplugged, and one of the things we want to continue to do is make the connection between our faith in Jesus and our everyday lives. So if you have a question or topic that you'd like to hear discussed, feel free to email us at churchunplugged at ccchapel.com. And if you want more information about Christ Community Chapel, our church, you can go to our website, which is www.ccchapel.com. Thanks for listening.